Arthur Ashe was here, the late Arthur oh, Ashe, yes. and he said to me, as he said at one other place, he said, in a much quoted comment, he said, <coughs> living with AIDS is easier than living with racism. It's a harder struggle against mm. racism for me mm. than it is against AIDS. Mm. What it meant to me is that there's no way for the rest of us to understand that daily encounter. Which brings me to my question to you. Do you still have that encounter? Do you, Toni Morrison, Pulitzer Prize winner, successful, honored in the halls of academe, mm. etc., still have that encounter? Yes, I do, Charlie, but let me tell you, that's the wrong question. Okay, what's the right question? How do you feel? Not you, Charlie Rose, right. but don't you understand that the people who do this thing, who practice racism, right. are bereft. There is something distorted about the psyche. It's a huge waste, and it's a corruption and a distortion. It's like it's a profound neurosis that nobody examines for what it is. It feels crazy. It is crazy. And it leaves, it has just as much of a deleterious effect on white people and possibly equal as it does black people. I always knew that I had the moral high ground all my life. I always thought those people who said I couldn't come in the drugstore and I had to sit in this funny place, I couldn't you go felt in the park. Superior to them I from did. Day one. And I thought they knew that I knew that they were inferior to me morally. I always thought that. And my parents always thought that. You said your father was racist because he always felt like he was he always superior. Thought, that's right. He always felt superior. And that was a form, you know, of, of, defend, of defensive racism. But if if the racist white person, I don't mean the person who is examining his consciousness and so on, doesn't understand that he or she is also a race, it's also constructed, it's also made, and it also has some kind of serviceability. But when you take it away, I take your race away, and there you are, all strung out, and all you got is your little self. And what is that? What are you without racism? Are you any good? Are you still strong? Are you still smart? Are you still like yourself? I mean, these are the questions. It's part of it is, yes, the victim. How terrible it's been for black yeah, people. You like that. I'm not a victim. I refuse to be one. And the victim is the other person who is morally inferior and that's who what, that's a has serious to hold question. on to. Of course. Racism. If you have to hold that's a, for his or her own self-esteem and definition. If you can only be tall because somebody's on their knees, then you have a serious problem. And my feeling is white people have a very, very serious problem. And they should start thinking about what they can do about it. Take me out of it. Then give white people some free advice. <laughs> They're all in my books. Hey there. You should try an app about sexual health and wellness for young Black and Latinx queer men and trans women. Get up to $490 by joining the HMP Stigma Research Study, which strives to amplify resilience through a mobile app where participants can find social support, engage with issues that matter to them, and access HIV testing prevention and care resources. To see if you qualify for the study, visit bit.ly forward slash 
HMP-2022 or call toll-free 1-833-545-0652. This research study is funded by the National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities and led by the University of North Carolina and the University of Pennsylvania. Hey, what's up, Hunk Up family? Thank you for tuning in to episode 29 of season four of the Hunk Up podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black-ass queer perspective. I am your host. I am your producer, Eric Cole. I am your favorite life coach in Tennis Bay. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Hunk Up podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, social media platform, by searching at Hung Up Pod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tap that bio link and get you some merch. Support the show. You just heard beloved novelist Toni Morrison. That was her 1993 interview with Charlie Rose. She was on the show promoting her book that had just came out at that time called Jazz. I loved how Tony reframed the question and put it back on Charlie, which in turn was really putting the question back on white folks and asking the question. They always asking how we feel. How do you feel? Because this racism shit makes no sense. Like Tony said, no one's ever really studied it. So we can really see the, the effects of it on black and white folks. So it just, it just makes no sense. And I think even to this day, white folks have not gotten together to ask themselves this question. So I'm hung up. Shout out to Toni Morrison. My favorite part was when she said, look at you, your little self. Without racism, you just there. Are you any good? Again, questions that white folks need to be asking themselves. This week, I am so very much hung up on Serena Williams. I just got my September issue of Vogue in the mail. And Serena looks amazing on the front of Vogue. And it was just really, I cried watching her on TV earlier this week and and just hearing about the announcement that the U.S. Open was going to be her last stop. I cried because... It, it just really seems like yesterday that me and my stepsister, Tierra, were back home in Southern Maryland in my father's kitchen watching Serena and Venus play against each other and just being so inspired, inspired enough to feel like, wow, I can do that too. They look like me. And what they're doing looks really fun. And so that just, just that little fire put me on this path to where, you know, tennis is the love of my life. I would have loved to have been, become a professional tennis player, but I just didn't 
you know, it didn't work out for me that way when I was younger. And so being still as an adult, very much in love with the sport, very much involved in the sport, uh, just really hung up on Serena and just watching her become the formidable player that she is. Serena has done some amazing things, broken enough records that I don't even need to list them all here. This is just really to say thank you. I love you. And I'm just, it blesses me and so many of us to see that you're happy and that you have a beautiful family. I'm so hung up and wish you the very best. Serena got a lot of stuff coming up. So if you want to find out more, pick up the recent issue of Vogue. You can't miss it because she looks amazing in this blue. And not a whole lot of makeup. I, I like when they don't overdo her. She looks amazing. And when you open and oh, look at the, <laughs> the cover expands. This is beautiful. Pick up, pick up that issue and support our girl. I'm hung up. Hey, look, Netflix is showing off now. There's some good shows out there. If you're looking for some good movies or some shows to binge watch, I got a few here for you that I loved and thoroughly enjoyed watching. So the first show I want to recommend is called In the Dark. It's about this white girl who is blind, who she has a her close friend is this black kid and he something ends up happening to him and she is the person who turns into the investigator and so many twists and turns in the story in the dark next one is love death and robots weird as fuck visually stimulating is very different <laughs> and very abstract and each episode is like a little something different that's going on very anime, very futuristic. Next one, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Check that out because after I watched this, the January 6th attack on the Capitol made a whole lot more sense. I'm like, oh, these motherfuckers been here before. This is what they do. Okay. Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Next one is Keep Breathing. I thought this movie was really good. It had me in tears at the end. This young woman had just gone through so much in her life and to this moment of absolute devastation where this plane goes down and she's out in the middle of nowhere and she has to keep breathing she has to keep surviving no matter what um really emotional especially with the flashbacks that they did and how everything kept coming full circle the last show I wanted to recommend was I Just Killed My Dad. I flipped past this a few times on Netflix before watching it because of the title. I was just like, mm -mm, not interested. What made me go back and actually play this was a tweet that I saw where Sis was like, look, y'all, whatever you do this week, make sure you watch I Just Killed My Dad. My jaw has been on the floor. And it is a really good documentary um, a real story about this young man who really had to fight for his freedom um, ever since he was a little boy from the clutches of uh, his father, a, a very abusive and violent man. And the one thing I did 
I enjoy the the perspective of how so many evil people, so many bad people in this world get away with the things, even to today, they get away with the things that they do. And it would seem like these people have a one leg up, but it always comes back full circle. So check out those. Those are just some Netflix uh, recommendations. I'm hung up. Bubblegum, bubblegum, in a dish. Where is our monkey pox stimulus? <laughs> Somebody on Facebook said that. Ladarius, listen. First and foremost, I was fitting to go to Hillary because the fact that I've been reaching out, I've been reaching out, you still can't get back with me is crazy. But you're here posting. You've been walking in that same blue suit since you got elected. <laughs> I'm just playing. But you to my song, let me be clear. No, let Britney be clear. Y'all can't even go get her. <laughs> <laughs> she could tear that White House up whenever she get back down here. But listen, I didn't talk to Barack and um, Trump, and they both on my side about this whole thing. They said you ain't popping out now safe since you've been in office. You must be scared. But I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm going to go talk to Hillary. Um, can you help me get 10,000 followers on Instagram or something? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, bull? What's going on, Slim? <laughs> How are you? I'm cool. I was, you know, taking a break from this job for, I just needed five minutes, Lord. But, you know, we out here back back to it. What's good with you? I'm like, let me check in with my, my best friend because I haven't seen you in a few days. I know you've been away for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Out in the country. Yeah. Um, Call Pepper, right? VA? Yeah. Call Pepper, Virginia. So, I just think it's cool that you still got this family reunion tradition going on in your family. Yeah, I've, I've been. I mean, I've been going just about every year since I was a kid. It's it's something that was ingrained in us. So it's it's pretty much at this point like I know exactly where I'm gonna be third week in August. Like, and now I'm one of the people leading it, so I'm really up in it now. You know the emoji with the like teary eyes but the smile mm-hmm. <laughs> that's me every time i see you going away for your your family reunion <laughs> i'd be having a good old time out there but i'd be i'd be away that's one of the places where i'm definitely like nah i don't deal with like 90 percent of what happens in real life while i'm there so but i you know i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna see you soon and we're going you know whatever whatever so I mean, and it's needed. That little break is needed. But the reason why I have that little emoji, um, I described it. I described that little emoji is because I haven't been to a family reunion. I can't tell you the last time that I've been to a family reunion. I I remember growing up having mm-hmm. um, some of them, and depending on which side of the family, definitely kept you busy in the summer. But I don't hear about a lot of people still have a family reunion so i just thought like yo that that is such a cool tradition and from a black queer man same gender loving man i just thought like let me call sterling and just see how his weekend went and see if he had a word for the people because it's like i said i just i don't hear about a lot of people going to family reunions anymore 
Yeah, I mean, throw me on the spot. I guess I'll throw a little something together. Um, right, snap. I would say, get that like, good wig real quick. Okay, I was like, oh, snap, I ain't got my face on or nothing. Um, <laughs> so one thing I would definitely say is like, yeah, I think there's definitely a conversation that we're having now about the resurgence of family reunions in the black community. You know, there's a, a big um, push I saw on TikTok with folks talking around like, y'all families do reunions? Here's what y'all do with y'all's. What do you, like, how do we make this more regular because it has been a big part of black culture for so long um and i know a number of families who still do um so for me this is my dad's side and like i said this has been going on for years we backdated it approximately to about like 50 60 ish years of of reunions my grandmother uh, was one of the people who kind of helped formalize it back in the day to say hey you all kind of do this unofficially you should just make this a real thing and really formalize the structure a bit more and mm. so everybody knows third sunday in august that's when we go to call pepper because free union baptist church where my family um worship back when they were all there they have their homecoming service that weekend which is what it was all kind of originally mm -hmm. built around yeah. and so from then it grew out to you come on saturday as well and we go to aunt molly's house and we kind of hang out there and it grew to now people show up on Friday night and Friday night's the fish fry and we just cut up. And then Saturday we do the whole potluck. We do a family libation ceremony. We celebrate and honor the ancestors that passed. We speak their names so that we don't ever forget them. We do celebrations of what people have accomplished over the last year. We play games. So it's a really, you know, special place. Honestly, it's something that my, my whole set knows Sterling that weekend, like, don't ask for him. He is busy. He is not anywhere else. That is where he will be. He will be in the pep. Um, and so that's always been really cool for me to see that evolve over time. And now that I'm growing up and taking a leadership role and planning it now, like, I'm, I'm with one of my cousins who we basically run the entire weekend. We figure out the date and the time situation, all the logistics. We plan for the food, the T-shirts, you know, all the little kitschy stuff. Um, and, and we had a good time. We had a really good time. And I'll say... You know, as a, a black queer man, it's been really important for me to step into that space, um, knowing my family's history. I have a great uncle, um, one of the original six branches of our family that were uh, born. And it is sort of quietly spoken about that he was queer. You know, obviously earlier in time, they didn't have the space to be as out and, and as liberated as we do now. And so it wasn't something that was widely spoke about, but I've, I've had family members talk to me and say like, oh yeah, we knew it just wasn't something we talked about a lot in those days. Mm -hmm. And he was well-respected, well-loved, but didn't get to have the same kind of family legacy that a number of other branches of our family, including the one that I come from, were able to have. And so to be able to be at the front of my family in that way and speak in front of everyone and lead this family and be someone that my family knows is out and proud and can you know rock exactly how he wants to and you know, at one point was ready to bring somebody to the reunion, but we'll leave that alone. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's really it's really exciting. Uh, it's really gratifying. I'm super proud that I get to like take this kind of role in this particular way. And so it's pretty cool to see, like in general, the Black Family Reunion continue and us to be a piece of that legacy in the Black community, and also to be like, yes, I'm a Black gay man. My family knows it. My family loves me. My family supports me, and they give me a platform to help lead them into the next era of what we're doing because you know we're talking about some pretty cool and some really big stuff now we've got family lands that all of our cousins are um inheritors to and we need to get organized around that because 
this is a huge part of what's happening in lots of places. And I could, you know, do a whole session on black land being stolen from under them because they haven't formalized old old deeds and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we got big stuff to talk about. And I'm really excited that I get to play a role in that and that, you know, my queerness gets to be a piece of how we all move. You know, we have trans family members. We have queer family members. We have family members who are still questioning and exploring who they are. And all of that gets to have space and I'm really excited that our cousins are growing up and setting examples for the younger ones to say like, yeah, that's a piece of family too. And you get to figure that out and you have space here to be a part of something. So it's, it's, it's really special. Um, and I would definitely say it's a place I'm, I'm really looking forward to continuing to build out. And it's a family, you know, it's a black family situation. So if you want to come down next year and see how it goes, let's go. Like child, grab a plate, grab a drink and get loud. Cause that's what we tend to do. Cue up the teary eyed emoji again. <laughs> but you know I, I I appreciate that And two common themes That I picked up From what you're saying is Continuing legacy And representation Those were the two main themes that I picked up Oh yeah Like one of the big things that I love that we do Is that libation ceremony every year And we are super intentional about doing it Every single year So kids as little as three and four and five Start to get the hint that Okay, we come to Culpepper, and it's third Sunday, and that means something. And we have mm-hmm. these six people, and they mean something. And we teach them, yes, these six people, they were the six children of Charles and Hattie Coleman. Those six children created the four branches of our family that still exist today. We have looked at our family across 11 generations. We found people who were enslaved folks on plantations in Virginia. We visited those places. We've gone to the all-Black high schools where my great-great-grands were a part of the legacy of people who banded together across five counties just to get one black school for their kids like that's the stuff that we're able to find out and show our kids now like yo little cousin you're a part of this legacy you belong to a family of people who have desegregated who were the first black folks to do things who have gone to the white house who have gone across the world who have gotten doctorates and are changing the globe like you are a part of this thing Let's show you where you come from and what you're moving towards. Like that gets to be a really cool piece of this that we are still doing research and finding more about every single year. And I love that y'all have it the same date, week, every year. So nobody can say they didn't know. (laughs) Can't complain. Can't lie. Nope. It's the third Sunday of every August. That weekend is when we do it. You, there it is. It's, it's always going to be on the calendar, so you already know. And my peoples know, like my when I, back when I was teaching, they knew like <laughs> Monday I'm not going to be with the shit. Like I'm, I am just here because if you know the way my cousins go, oh my god! You as soon as you pull onto the driveway, it starts, and it don't stop until you are like back home recovering. So it's it's a great time, nonstop shenanigans, um, and and just like a really really cool place to get regrounded you know like literally stand on land that's like yo this is my great great someone's property they fought for they they used their hands to grow on this is the house that my great grandmother raised my granddad and my favorite person this is the living room that my dad would go sit in when he would visit in the summertime and this is the well oh my god the well that they all used to drink water out of and it was the sweetest coldest best water ever and all the kids know that like our, our parents and grandparents drink out of this allegedly incredible well but it's like that fun family lore that draws you back into something that says like okay i can see my roots i can i can visualize where i come from i can see these people and see the lives they lived and see how i'm a legacy of that and when people say like oh my god aunt molly would have loved you or 
your grandmother here, she used to do this thing just the way you do now. And I think she, that's just amazing. Like that stuff gets to really come out and give people a sense of, of, of real purpose and, and belonging. And I think that that's a huge part of why the, the Black family reunion is such a critical piece of our culture. It gave us the space to say like, yes, you can tap those roots that aren't as clear as other communities can track their, their legacies. It gives you a place to ground in whether you've got the, the black and white proof or not. You build a legacy and a community and a culture in that space, and that's what sustains you. And so, for me, that's a big reason why I'm I'm very intentional about like, yeah, even on the wild years, even when it's crazy, even when I got busy, find a way to get down there. Or you know, especially when it's like our cousins who are going to college or you know are in jobs that are in different locations, we'll FaceTime in and do 20 minutes of just screaming back and forth and trying to hear each other. But even in that madness, you're like, yep, I'm connected back to this thing where everyone is waiting to see me and are, are glad to see me and just want to know like, yo, your family's here. We got you. We love you. We're rooting for you. And we'll see you when you come back the next time. I love it. I'm hung up. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that, OB. Yeah, for sure. Come Thank on you down. For sharing Seriously. That. Seriously. Yeah, like, for you know sure. How black family is. I mean, I mean, you done been adopted in my family already anyway. So you might as well just pull up and like I said, <laughs> grab a plate, grab a cup and get in where you fit in. Because we playing cards, we playing games, we laughing, we telling stories. You know, we going to roast each other. Like it's, it's good times all the way around. But... And we can get real about stuff. I'll say that too. That's a part that's been really exciting this year. A new set of cousins are starting to... The generations are shifting. We have a new set of people who are now what we're considering our elders. There's a new set of us who are the young adults starting to lead and make decisions on things. And so we get to have really intentional conversations about like, what does it mean to be a good big cousin? What does it mean to help our younger cousins understand this place and see the value in it so that they can step into these roles with us? And so uh, it's, it's really important to be able to have that space. And I'm really glad that our family stays intentional about figuring that out. And it's not perfect. We got family strife like everybody else. We have drama, we have trauma, we have pain, and we have space where we're trying to be intentional about saying folks, as they work through their own pieces and heal and grow, how do we turn that energy back in so that this family can stay strong as a unit as well? Thank you, LB. I'm going to let you get back to work. I appreciate uh, that that break. And um, you cooking today? Um, I need to go to the grocery store, so <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll find something in there. All right. Well, regardless, I'll come check on you. I'll come <laughs> check on you later today. All right, well, I have some ginger ale and a, a little sippy sippy for you. <laughs> All right, I bet. All right, I'll see you later. Love you. All right, well, easy. Love you. Bye. Hey, baby. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> You are live on air, baby, right now. Hung up podcast. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> okay. Just get your good wig. <laughs> I got to go get it because I wasn't prepared. <laughs> nah, you're good. It's just your voice. I wanted to call you. Um, first, say thank you for such an amazing weekend. I had a good time. Of course. And what did, I had a how great did, time. I'm so happy to see you. How did Whitney say it? It was good to see my lady. <laughs> Okay, listen. <laughs> if anybody asks me, <laughs> it was good to see my lady. 
<laughs> you and Shakia both and Riyadh and I, who was his friend? That came oh, Monique. She's a lady. Yeah, Monique. Hey, Monique. She was yeah. fun too. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you came over. I had a good time. Let me know the next time the libations are pouring. So you got some puppies for sale. You said you do. <laughs> you have some puppies for sale. <laughs> oh, I do, I do, I do, I do. You know somebody with uh, interested? I don't know. They could be listening. Oh. Okay. So, do you want to drop some information, or do you want to like? I you may not want to give out too much about the puppies, um, but where can people find you on social media? Like how you know describe the puppies, and where can people find you? So on social media you can find me at ckj2 um puppies are let's see mother is chesapeake bay retriever poodle and the dad is a newfoundland poodle so they are all black <laughs> little babies adorable babies <laughs> super girly little super super cute and they are our little fat babies <laughs> one male and one that's left is like one male and two females left for sale so you know anyone interested just you know my concern is them going to good homes absolutely and describe (laughs) like how will the dog look um or how much the dog will weigh for for folks listening that might be interested okay so if anybody's interested in a large dog (laughs) um they would probably be between 70 to 90 pounds Yes, yes. Come on for yeah, our singles like out there, it. especially if you're living by yourself. Yeah. I think that's you know? good. You know, and if people are interested, they can. Um, yeah. What's your social media again? Drop that. Uh, SCKJ2 on Instagram. Okay. All right. Uh, cool. So, yeah, you know, just going to get these babies out of here. And you're so yeah. ready for Mother wait. to come back home. Oh, I can't wait for her to come home <laughs> so we can get back to like normal. <laughs> I'm sure she misses it too. So. Describe for the listeners what it was like to go through that process with your dog, Stella, and have her, you know, have the babies and, and all that stuff. What was that like for you? Well, <laughs> it was it was eye-opening because it was basically, it was, it's an experience, basically, if you've never done it before. And it's a lot of work, I will say. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of... You worry as well because you do want to make sure that when she does go into birth, like go to, you know, to have birth, to birth the puppies, that you worry that everything is going to, you know, come out right or that there's not going to be any hiccups and like you don't lose one because that was seven. You didn't lose one. But I mean, if you're not going to do this process like yourself where you have like dogs of your own, at least um, that you want to meet, that they are actually like yours in your possession or whatever. But if you are going to do it and just like the person that you decide to choose to mate your dog with, uh, with the other dog, it's just like long as there's a good relationship there, it should make things easier. But I mean, the process has been an experience, a learning one, uh, but also like nice to see her like go through this in a sense uh, before she gets fixed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it's an experience so I mean I would do it again but like probably later on when I move (laughs) 
to like a larger house have a um, like some a, more space a yard and like yeah like something like all the space and like, i remember you really mentioning that before that you wanted a little bit more space and the other thing was that you wanted to do it not with Stella because she's four. You were saying that the vets yeah. were saying she's a little older. You you wanted to do it with another puppy when they were a little bit younger, maybe around two. Yeah, around two. So yeah, okay. that was so that was always one of the issues when I would go, you know, take her to the vet when you have know, her not being fixed, but to get her, you know, make sure she's up to date on her shots and all that stuff. But that was always one of the things. So during the time since she had, you know, got pregnant when she did go to the vet just for the visit you know they were like you know she is four years old so it's a little bit different because she's older but i think it's a little different for her because she's never done it before like she's never you know birth or litter puppies before so i think with that was probably was their concern that she was four and it would be her first time actually going through this process um but it turned out <laughs> all good right everything turned out fine good she's good they're good. good. I mean, and I can't wait to see country. Stella. Yeah. So, you know, okay. everything just, yeah, it was just an experience that I will say. And it's, it hasn't been a bad one. And was, it was a decent one. It's, well, it's, it's definitely, um, it can be overwhelming. So just make sure you have the support there because it can be a lot of work. I would always say, just like look at, like look up, there's always information is always out there. So look up things on YouTube, like, the process if you've never seen it and what you what you actually have to do as far as being a pet owner who is going to be um having a pup a dog that's like giving birth to puppies because it is type it's kind of hands-on and it's kind of messy so um look up videos do your research absolutely do this research is, like yeah. just really because going into it blind and just like expecting like something like but not expecting it to be what it is can be hard but like long as you like do the research and like know what you're getting yourself into and what to expect it's just it helps you prepare a lot easier for when it does happen when it does happen okay all right well thank you boo thank you for dialing in allowing me to dial you in to the hug up podcast <laughs> real quick and i can't wait to see you again i can't wait to see you love you know <laughs> always a good time love you i love you all right i'll talk to you later Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. And big shout out to Sterling Grimes and Spencer Kennedy for contributing to this episode. The HMP research study that I mentioned in the very beginning, the link to that research study, you can also find in the bio on the Instagram page. So just tap that bio link. You'll be able to see um, and click on that link to see if you qualify for that research study and you'll see the merch store current and past episodes and just some hung up pod extras articles music oh yeah the spotify playlist is on there now i have built a hung up podcast playlist it's a shake your ass playlist on spotify and the link to that is in the bio as well Thank you for tuning in to The Hunger Podcast this week. I'm your host. I'm your producer, life coach and tennis bay, Eric Cole. And be sure to follow and subscribe to this show on your favorite podcasting and social media platforms by searching at Hung Up Pod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. TikTok too. I'm 
Got a couple of followers on there. I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> Have a great rest of the week and I will talk to you soon. Peace.